Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Well, hello, everyone. I hope you are having an awesome business week. I'm having a pretty good business week here, and we've got a guest here for you today who cares so much about your business ideas, and he is all about helping individuals and small businesses accelerate their success. So here to tell us about how he is helping everybody out in the world, it is Martin Lewandonk. We are heading over to Cyprus to speak with him today, and he is the co-founder of Founder Jar. So, Martin, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Alison. I give everybody a little bit broader view of what Founder Jar is. Okay, great. So, in Founder Jar, we started roughly one year ago, and we are basically taking people who are interested in finding the right tools to grow the company, like project management software, email marketing software, etc., and matching them to the right software tools. And in addition to that, we have brief guides on how to actually get started with the business ideas, starting a company, set up an online shop, et cetera. And what I like about this is I think this world of tools is the hardest thing, right? People get these great ideas and they're like, what are my next steps? And I usually like our guests to know um, where to find out information in case they're near a computer when they're listening. So it is founderjar.com. And I know that as you said, you go and there's some tools. And the first one is nine lucrative business ideas. Uh, Tell us, Tell our audience an example of some of the resources that they can get as they're getting to know Founder Jar. Sure. So we're basically, on the one hand, we have informational articles for, for everything for how to find a good business idea, how to set up your own website or how to set up your online store, how to um, design and validate your business model. So all the basics that a founder needs before he actually jumps the ship and starts his, uh, building his company. And then we also have uh, further articles on um, how to actually attract traffic. So, for example, uh, uh, about SEO or about affiliate marketing. So depending on your business model, what uh, type of marketing channels might make sense and how do they work so that you can learn the basics in a short period of time and everything is for free basically on our side because we are making money with affiliate marketing and not uh, uh, basically from the readership. Uh, and on the, the second pillar uh, pillow is uh, pillar is um, the, the, the software uh, tools where we help you browse more than 1,000 uh, categories for different software types. Like, like I said, project management, email marketing, CRM, ERP, HR software, you name it. And we review and our team, they review um, multiple software tools and try to help you find uh, the ones uh, or at least that you can check them out. Yeah, so save you time and not wasting your time of uh, doing um, dozens of hours of online research, but just go to websites, uh, spend like five or 10 minutes, and then you have a good feeling of the top three, four, five tools you should be checking out. And I feel like, and your co-founder is Anastasia, I feel like you are a small business's best friend. Um, I was so excited when your company was introduced to me and that I could bring you on and, and just talk about this because it, I don't think it matters. Like you said, your target is for people who want to get into business or who want to take their small businesses and go further. But I think anybody that's a professional in any 
type of role can quickly use your resources and, and should check it out. I want to take a step back before we dig in more to Founder Jar and talk a little bit about your history because you this isn't your first startup. This isn't the first company right. that you founded. And you have a history. I know you like to make money. I know you have a history in finance. So tell our listeners a little bit about your professional journey and some of the things that you've done before this. Actually, my career started out very, very simplistic by uh, doing a bank uh, apprenticeship because this was the safest bet back then based on the, uh, the, the type of family that I'm coming from. Uh, but I quickly realized that this is not for me. So if you are a creative entrepreneurial person, uh, going into finance is probably not the right choice. And uh, that's that's why I went to university, uh, did my bachelor's and master's in finance and accounting, um, uh, did some funny uh, stuff uh, all around the world and in, in China, South Africa and in the U.S. And uh, then I started actually at uh, transaction advising. So basically doing M&A and, M&A and due diligence work. So analyzing uh, large corporations, for example. Um, and after that, uh, I went into basically doing the similar stuff, like due diligence uh, and uh, analysis and business analysis on, on startups when I joined a company uh, builder where we analyzed like hundreds of different business models, like uh, e-commerce shops, uh, marketplace models, software as a service business models, you name it. And... Um, before that, I already started my first company, uh, which uh, when I was in China, it's funny, funny story, uh, which is the Finance Club, which is one of the largest groups on LinkedIn. Um, for, we have something like 1.6 million members, uh, all finance professionals. Uh, and this was the first um, startup. And we did so many events and, and summits and so on uh, in the US and in Germany and in the UK. Um, and then when I was then working at the, this company builder, I started my second company, which is uh, cleverism.com, which is uh, just a job board in the English speaking uh, markets. So where we are matching uh, employers with uh, job seekers using some AI algorithms. Um, and now recently, like one year ago, uh, we moved to Cyprus and we also started uh, now the third company, which is FounderJar. Well, and I always like to talk about relationships with co-founders. So tell us a little bit about uh, your co-founder partner and how you oversee the business jointly, what pieces you take, what pieces she takes. Yeah, so that's a very funny story. Maybe it's very... um not the normal case that like most uh, founders we went we met at university and actually we are now married <laughs> yeah so we are a couple we're running uh, uh, those three businesses and um, I- i'm uh, more responsible for uh, for content seo and uh, product management uh, so everything like uh, how, how the website looks like um, ux ui etc and, uh, and and writing content building links etc and uh, anastasia is responsible for running the remaining operations like like sales uh, outreach and uh, finance and accounting well and you have a very i think i'm going to use the words clean website and i really even just like your about story on your website and i know you were you had mentioned you know your passion for for marketing so let's talk about marketing for a little bit because we all know marketing can accelerate your business growth what yeah. kind of trends or martech, martech tools are you talking about or interested in the most these days mm-hmm. i mean of course uh, 
you, you can't give a general answer be, because um, it always depends on uh, the business model that, and the service and offerings that you're having, uh, which marketing channels make the most sense. Yeah? Uh, so, for example, if, if you are trying to sell fashion items offline, of course, uh, maybe online marketing might not be the, the most logical thing for you yeah, for attracting customers. Or if you are selling a specific type of B2B software, your uh, marketing and sales channels might also be more different than if you would be running a consumer startup, for example. So, but in general, um, what, what, what I can see is um, more and more businesses coming online, so thereby increasing the competition for actually attracting um, the audience, which you then can convert. And more and more uh, companies are investing into SEO, which basically means uh, write, writing nice uh, blog posts, uh, having um, SEO-optimized landing pages, building uh, backlinks, uh, and doing funny technical SEO optimizations just to get so-called free traffic from Google, which is not really free because it's just uh, a capex uh, in terms uh, and not an opex. So, so if you think from a finance perspective, if you're doing SEO, you are investing capex and uh, upfront basically. And then you hope that in the end, your variable cost for getting your clients is close to zero. Yeah? And if you're doing like performance marketing or so, I see this more as an opex uh, type of investment. So where... Uh, Every dollar I spend, I get an almost immediate return or, or not. Yeah? So this is for me the, the difference. So everybody who's telling you SEO is for free, that's totally bullshit. It's, it's <laughs> just, the, just, just the economics is different. Yeah? Nothing and is free. <laughs> nothing is free. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because if you think it's free, you probably are the product. Yeah? Oh, well, that's why we always say you can use other people's time, other people's talents, other people's resources, um, or do it all yourself, which is not necessarily the right way uh, either. Hey, I want to stop and ask because you, you, you're this, you mentioned yourself, you're a creative person, you're a creative entrepreneur. You've had this strong anchor in finance and um, dear listeners, he's also done a stop at, at Harvard, if I'm correct. Right. Um, what, what advice do you have because you are working with a lot of um, business builders today and what you're doing, what kind of advice do you have? Like if, if we download some of these resources on founder jar, jar um, what are, how do you simplify the process and, and keep the advice simple for people? Mm -hmm. um, so if, if you're having somebody in mind who's really a first time founder and does not really know what to do, um, because from my point of view, this is the, the, the target audience for basic articles who can help you like in 10 or 30 minutes. Uh, if you are a really serial founder or so, it's much better to just reach out to me and then we, we could discuss things because it's much more personalized and you can't personalize things too much in written content. Yeah? Uh, because if you would need to personalize it, I need to write like uh, 50,000 uh, words in, in, in an article and nobody reads it. Yeah? So, um, but if, if I'm talking to somebody who wants to start a company, first, try to uh, learn about uh, business model, business model canvas, uh, and really not like uh, just uh, what the, model, uh, the, the, the modules are, but really how to apply them, how to play around with it. And then don't build anything. Um, so don't build a, a fun, fancy uh, app or something like this before you actually validate it, talk to some customers and make sure you know your like top three uh, critical assumptions that can make or break your business model. Yeah? So for example, 
if you have the idea of, oh, uh, uh, international network of commodity trading might be totally awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge market. Uh, everybody's selling commodities. Now we're having sanctions. Um, and um, I could just build a platform, uh, getting some kind of uh, transaction running, and then just take 5% of those transactions. Boom, billionaire. No, that's not how it works. Especially if you're not from the industry and you're lacking, for example, contacts or some contextual knowledge of, for example, uh, how to import or export uh, things, how the process works, having contact to um, cheap logistic companies. Do they even have availability? Would they even put your whatever f 500 kilogram of uh, gold or whatever uh, on this ship or not? Yeah. So you, you don't know shit. So and uh, you need to realize that and that's fine. Yeah. But then at least you can uh, try to understand what are the top two or three critical assumptions that I think will uh, help me build a best an offering which is better or uh, that I can acquire customers cheaper than the others. For example, um, when, when you look back like 20 years or 30 years ago, there were not uh, online printing companies. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. So uh, most of the printing companies were offline. <clears throat> we're to totally local business model. Um, so that the customers were, let's say, for oversimplification, like 20, 50 kilometers radius around the, the printing shop. That's basically it. So then, uh, and they were doing radio advertising, um, maybe local newspaper advertising, or uh, maybe sh uh, sh um, throwing flyers into your uh, postal thing. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Uh, and then came the internet. And then you might have think, mm, okay, what shall I do? What might be the most critical assumption here? Okay, maybe... My most critical assumption is, can I acquire customers cheaper than the existing um, companies do, who are doing the offline printing? Yeah? So, okay, how can I test that? Yeah? And then maybe you just set up a, a simple website where you have like the, the top five or top ten products fake. You don't sell them. You don't produce them. You just have a fake website. Yeah? And then, uh, it, then you're just trying to promote it. Maybe you do some Google AdWords campaigns or if, if, it, uh, if something like this does not exist, use another um, current met marketing method just to see whether you can attract customers cheaper. And if you then see, oh, wow, I, uh, uh, it was very easy for me to get 100 or 1,000 visitors uh, to my website at whatever, 10 cents uh, um, per person, just an example. Uh, then you can say, hmm, okay, let me talk to the offline uh, guys. How much are they spending on customer acquisition? And then you can benchmark. And then if you see like, oh, my uh, acquisition cost, even though I'm not optimized and I'm just a total noob, is just like one-fifth. Hmm, what if it, it would be later optimized? Maybe even better. Okay, but then at least you have validated that your customer acquisition costs are lower. Yeah, um, and, and, and because the, re the experiment could have, been uh, going in a totally different direction could have been going in like um, oh uh, you are paying 10 or 20 times more oops uh, or nobody will be buying uh, from the traffic because they don't trust you or they actually want to have some offline uh, contact or face to face mm -hmm. contact you, you might learn that yeah but at least you can uh, validate that or um, uh, and, and also uh, one thing that you in, in this model could have validated is um could I actually, are there any economies of scale in the printing products uh, production? 
Yeah, for example, before offline, you ha you are operating at smaller scale be uh, because you have a um, just the local customer base. Yeah, so if you have just for oversimplification, ten thousand potential customers in your uh, in your area in uh, Detroit or Chicago, wherever, um, and you, you you can't invest like five million or ten million into a production facility. It doesn't work. So, but then you can potentially go to some uh, printing machine uh, uh, producers and tell them, guys, what if I had 500,000 or 200,000 customers? What would be the, the how would the unit um, economics change? Yeah, so for example, uh, if I'm having the printing facility for a local shop and they uh, pay whatever. Um, uh, one dollar or so uh, per 1,000 flyers, just a stupid example. Uh, and then you go to a printing company and they are telling you, yeah, you could also buy the big printing machinery. And then uh, you pay five million upfront, yeah, but you need to really have a high utility capa uh, uh, capacity utilization. Yeah, because if you only have 10,000 customers, it doesn't work. But if you would have like 500,000 um, uh, customers, then you, could, then you would be looking at, for example, 5 cents or 10 cents uh, uh, unit costs. Yeah? And th those are, for example, two critical assumptions if you would go back then into this type of business model that you could have been validated. And this is what I recommend to every startup founder. Find that, uh, start with a good idea where you have a uh, think for a nice big market, hopefully growing market, where you think, uh, have, have a first hypothesis of what a nice offering might look like and a first hypothesis of how you want to attract customers at reasonable customer acquisition costs and then think about what are the uh, two, three top critical uh, assumptions and validate those. Don't build anything. Don't build a, a, a hardcore product or set up a sales team or whatever. No, this is just a one or two men show basically uh, validating uh, the assumption because guess what? Most of the time you will be um, getting I wouldn't say negative market feedback. I would be rather saying correcting market feedback yeah? uh, because it's in the end, like you have something, an idea of how something should be in an optimized way. And then you are getting feedback from the market who is telling you, ah, okay, not this door, or maybe you should go this door on the, and then you are tweaking around, and hopefully, if you are asking the right questions and make the the right conclusions from the answers, then uh, over time you will either find out, bam, there's nothing to be done. Yeah, uh, uh, this was just a fairy tale um, uh, that I had in my mind. I wanted to build a, a pink a unicorn. I thought uh, everybody would want to buy it, but actually nobody wants to buy it. Or whether the, the market really says, yeah there's something uh, where you have an advantage. And I do. I like where you're talking. I mean, the number one thing, as, as you said in there, it's, it's talking to others. We live in a day and age where so many people are reachable. Experts are reachable. People are willing to share knowledge. There's so many resources online and you can read so much, but you still need to talk to people. And I like your, your piece about, you know, just the advice about correcting market feedback. And, and that is, so important. But man, Martin, I want to go to that boom, be a billionaire. Wow. That's because <laughs> I think it's, that's what most people want. And you said it so clearly, boom, let's all be, let's all be billionaires. I want to flip that. There was some great pearls of wisdom in there. I want to flip because you are an incredibly busy entrepreneur. You're juggling multiple businesses at a time. Do you have any tips for keeping 
personally organized or just helping you manage this, this stress? Because I can tell from speaking with you, and I, I made fun of you a little bit before we started uh, recording that your bio says that you're always sprouting a smile. But how do you do it? How do you uh, keep everything in line and organized? Who I would not say that I'm uh, really the best person for that because uh, I also struggle sometimes with stress. Yeah, um, but w what I'm trying to do is um, having a ba balancing person uh, around me, which is basically my my, uh, my partner, um, and uh, doing anti-stress things like uh, going to the gym. Uh, trying to um, uh, trying to do some meditation sometimes, and then uh, be very very focused on eating healthy food. Um, th this is what I, I'm doing, but I'm no way close to uh, being an expert on emotion management or something like that. Uh, what I'm quite good at is uh, uh, being very creative on and, and optimizing business models, uh, but. Uh, everything with regarding to uh, psychology and emotion management and so on. I'm, I would be saying I'm average. <laughs> well, as I like to talk to the people I interview, none of all of us are, are a type personalities. And so I also ask that question, you know, from a personal curiosity, because, you know, movers and shakers in the world, their brains are always thinking and we need that, that I don't like the word balance, but to create some sense of harmony in mm and how we're approaching life. So no, thank you for sharing the way that, that you do it. I want to ask you, we like to ask our guests, if we came and talked to you in two and three years, what's the vision for founder jar or for you, Martin, in your portfolio yeah. of businesses? Mm -hmm. So uh, if we're looking like three years ahead, my goal is to really help um, two, three million people every month, Uh, to uh, start a company and find the right uh, software tools to really grow the business. I mean, software tools are not everything. I would say they are probably only like 10, 20% uh, of, uh, of the success, uh, but they can free up time and headaches for you. Yeah? So th this, this is basically how I see those things. Um, um, and, and then uh, what, what other things I would want to do is really uh, have like two or three additional companies. Uh, which ones? I don't know yet. Um, I'm always trying to have an open mind. Um, but but this, this would be nice. So really helping like every month two or three million people. Um, um, and you never know uh, how, uh, where you're going. I mean, you, now you're making maybe a plan or a rough plan for like two or three years. But uh, I can tell you in, in, if in one month or so a, a different market feedback is uh, hitting me, I might be going a total different direction. Yeah? So, for example, if uh, next month... Uh, Steven Spielberg is calling me and telling me, Martin, would you like to join uh, and become an actor in this type of movie? And then I might be saying, okay, let's give it a try. I don't know. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I, I, I can't. Uh, the, so what I've learned in my life is like, um, if you look in uh, hindsight, things uh, seems to make uh, a little bit sense. Uh, but if you're looking uh, in the foresight, most of the things uh, are you don't even know. Well, uh, what will be happening in one month or one year or five years could be super awesome things. Uh, I mean, if, even if you're looking at people 
who invested in, in Bitcoin, for example, uh, seven, eight years ago or in some, some bullshit coins uh, uh, and uh, one, two, three years ago, would they know upfront that they're now becoming a multimillionaire or maybe in some cases even billionaire? No way. Yeah. So you, you can't, you, you, you can try to plan for the future in order to give you some kind of um, actionable roadmap on what action items uh, to do. But uh, um, I don't know where I am. Uh, I just want to be at a better place in terms of wealth, health, and happiness. Martin, it's been so enjoyable speaking with you. And that was just such an authentic response. If people want to learn more or connect with you, where should they go and what should they do? Uh, just go to founderjar.com, um, sc scroll down, and uh, if you need any help uh, with getting feedback for, you, for your startup idea or you're a, a young startup and want to get some feedback on the pitch deck or financial model or something like that, just drop me a line and uh, I try to be helpful. Well, thank you so much, Martin. And to our listeners, if Martin said something that you think somebody else needs to hear, please pass along a copy of this episode. If there is a disruptive CEO that you think I need to speak with, send me a note at connect at allisonkaysummers.com. And as we always say, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Mark, Martin, thank you so much again for sharing your insights. Thank you so much, Allison. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.